I'm here with Diana, who also goes by their artist name D. Bovatsky. They throw underground queer raves in Montreal, so listen up.
maybe just start from the beginning and if you can talk about how Vault started and maybe when. Vault started around May 4th of last year, or I suppose would it be this year, 2018? So in the springtime, last spring. And it happened at a really special time because the old after-hour spot known as Drones here in Montreal, who has been around for a really, really long time, the space specifically has been around for a long time, coming in and out of the scene, kind of being busted by the cops, taking a couple months break, and then starting again. And at the time, it had just started being run by a new really lovely human named Matt. And they were looking to throw the first event. So then my friend and I, whose name is Maria, who was living in Montreal at the time and DJing under D-grade or DJ name, the two of us just felt that there was something, what we wanted to be a part of or the sort of spaces that we wanted to create within the scene in Montreal was lacking. And we felt that there was a space for us to sort of pave a way for us and our friends to engage with the sorts of aesthetics and music that we wanted to. So yeah, Matt just hit us up and was like, hey, I want to start this new after-hour spot called Siberia and was wondering if you wanted to throw an event. And then Vault, I don't actually remember how I, we came up with the name, but it definitely pertains to this idea of this kind of safe that is buried deep underground that is protecting what's inside of it. So to us, those were the connections and the experiences that we were having within this space. So the rave was kind of a conduit to all of these further experiences and support networks that we would be building through this. And so, so this whole concept sort of hinged it hinged on the availability of a particular like room. Like it really couldn't have started without that opportunity opening up. Definitely, hugely was intertwined with Siberia. And at the time, I didn't know how to DJ. I had maybe used CDJs once. Was it something you wanted to do? Definitely, yeah. And I was still pretty... I moved here in September, or I moved here in August last year. So I was living there for for the year-ish. Or not for the year, but for those couple of months. Um, and I had been going to raves from the second I stepped foot in Montreal every single weekend. But there was definitely still that gap between being someone who danced and was kind of with friends in a rave space that way. And then someone who's actually part of organizing it, which is always difficult to sort of learn or get the opportunity to move into that level of rave organization or whatever it may be. It's difficult to like go from being someone who's dancing on dance floors. Like how can I get involved more? The the switch from being a raver to like an organizer and like a, like a, mobilizer definitely yeah and I've always had lots of ideas and I've always been quite strong-willed with the sort of things that I want to see going on within a community so I really did feel that that organizing was what I always wanted to do did you have certain parties that you looked up to or experiences that you would consider like mentor like sort of oh, I would love to do something like that one day. This person is like sort of on that path. And like, like, do you have like a mentor in terms of like organizing or party throwing? I mean, it's difficult to say. I try, I really try not to, I look up to a lot of people. I don't try to sensationalize or idolize a lot of people because I feel like that sometimes will blur the way that you look at people just as humans and as people who make mistakes and those mistakes become a lot harder to sort of reconcile and move forward from when you hold this person up on a pedestal or to a certain standard. Um, but there was a lot of collectives within Montreal, Frankie Teardrop who runs lip events and is a curator and the person who started or co-founded Sled Island here in Montreal has been someone I've been looking up to since I moved here and is just so hardworking and so diligent with the way that I really admired their ability to maintain these sorts of queer cores to their events, but then also learning how to broaden that education and making it welcoming to everybody, which is always a difficult dynamic 
to balance when you're making these sorts of spaces because naturally as you create good events and although that starts with your queer friends and that starts with queer ethics and sorts of things are at the center of an event as an event gets bigger and people from other communities and other political values and other orientations and all these things start engaging with these spaces is how do we maintain these values and how do we maintain a level of safety and visibility to the people that we created these spaces for in the first place. So Frankie really, I admired for that. Lagome is another really big rave group here in Montreal. But there is this playful innocence to it that really reminds me of why I love raving in the first place. There were definitely, I definitely found it in ways. It was just Vault is a lot more rooted in the sort of aesthetical choices and the music choices that we want for a space. So it definitely f nurtures and focuses more on higher BPMs and sorts of more experimental or darker types of techno or electronic music, which was really just, it was not, to my knowledge, happening a lot within queer spaces at the time when I moved to Montreal. So it was like stuff that you heard online or like you knew, you knew these like um, more like kind of faster, darker um, sounds existed elsewhere. You just weren't finding it in your hometown. Yeah. Yeah. So I come from a punk and noise background and then slowly I was running a radio show there called Hive Mind. And as I started moving from noise and punk and guitars started being replaced with synths and drums with drum machines. And then somehow I just ended up in electronic music. So I was engaging a lot with those worlds online. And I mean, that's why I'm definitely an internet kid. I grew up on the internet and those really broadened my horizons. But then actually Maria and I went to New York in the autumn time and we went, we happened to be there during a, one of the unters. And then that was my first time really being at a rave with the sort of music that I, in my core, in my essence, wanted to hear and dance to, which was a really beautiful experience. And, um, okay, so that was in the fall. And then fast forward to May, and you're, like, given this opportunity to organize a party. So at the time, Matt had talked to Maria, and then Maria and I were talking for a while about wanting to throw an event together. And then we're like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So what was the first one like? Yeah. The first one was really nice. It was, of course, we were so, so nervous. And we had CMD, who is a really awesome producer and DJ based in Montreal, DJ our first headliner. And then it was just Maria and I. And we were also learning how to budget and all of that sort of thing. So we're like, oh, I hope, you know, we're just trying to do our thing. And we had Shifei's, who are some really talented visual artists, do visuals. And it was just a lot of friends. Like, it was a lot of our friends who we had told about it. Yeah, and it was it was busy. Like, it was a full night. But it really did. It had this sort of exciting and playful energy. I mean, not only were people excited about this new space. Yeah, everyone just had very solid intentions of just dancing and having fun together. Yeah, so you think the crowd was, like, totally ready for it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And, I mean, there's... I try not to sort of create a tone, I think, with like darker electronic music, because especially with Vault, as it's progressed, I love the sort of dark and brooding industrial aesthetic and dialogue. But I also really do want to combine it with a more playful 90s raver energy. Um, and I think at times throughout the Vaults, I think it's always been positive reactions when people were experiencing like these harder forms of electronic music. So that's why I'm not, I don't want to make it too like, oh, tone. People were so shocked and oh, we're so, it's like, no, we are just, we offered this thing and people were super into it and they were excited that there were spaces for this. So you drew mostly from just like your existing, like queer friends, queer community. And then did you reach out to, um, or like outside the community for like just other music lovers? Or do you really feel like it was like uh, queer space first, music secondary, or were they just sort of all beating at the same time? Yeah, I really do think that it was something that was happening at the same time. So yeah, I mean, I come from a decently conservative city. I'm a first gen immigrant. And 
when I moved to Montreal, it was my first time moving from home. And it all just happened so fast. And I was coming to terms with my own journey and like intertwining with all of these lives of other queer people. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, boom, you're in it. And that was an interesting year too, is also learning boundaries and learning to take care of myself and others amongst all of the raving and the, they're both working together and both very intertwined. And how big would you say that first party was? Just to like get a sense of scale, was it like a hundred people? Yeah, it was probably a hundred people, maybe a bit over. That's amazing. I mean, I I I threw a party here like a couple years ago, and I think it was like thirty people. Like I was like, oh okay, you know, one month or something. But like, I just have to build it. A <laughs> hundred person turnout for a first party is incredible. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, I bet you. it felt good. Yeah, it was. It felt super and how was how was DJing that night? I think I beat match maybe twice. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, <That's great. laughs> uh, yeah, Matt had uh, some CDJ eight hundreds okay. that were sort of the resident CDJs, mm -hmm. um, and those CDJs I find are particularly difficult, yeah. and especially the CDJs that he had because they were a little bit broken. <laughs> um, the looping went yeah. off. Yeah sort of thing so but it was good because over i learned how to dj on those so now when i use 2000s oh, yeah. it feels like it feels awesome. like it does it, it does it by itself right yeah yeah i don't know it's, so, yeah it's I, amazing i find that djs are always the most critical of themselves when it comes to mixing and it's tough because i didn't have access a lot of and that's the thing too is a lot of the djs we tried to book who are starting out don't have access to CDJs before they play their first rave. And even in Montreal, there's a huge gap or distance between people who are just DJing events or DJing at bars and clubs that end at three, and then DJs who are getting booked to play after hours. So it's it's tough. It's You want to create an environment that is encouraging and exciting, and here's this new opportunity, but it's also a lot of pressure to be DJing your first time. Especially now when, you know, everyone's a DJ and like, you know, that, you know that everybody's listening to your technique, even if, even if they don't want to be. And yeah, it's, it could be quite intimidating. Mm -hmm. does, does Maria, Maria DJs also. Yeah. Yeah. Maria's a wonderful DJ. Yeah. They are currently in Australia. They'll be back for the summer. Okay, great. Um, but yeah, she's a great DJ. DJ, she actually DJed in techno fem feminism. Okay, in, at Basta, Basta, yeah, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, because I know that Vault um, pays such close attention to its own like rave philosophies and safe space building, um, what can you say about how you worked to build? Um, that from the very beginning, like, cause I, you know, I know it's very important to the crew. So how did you, how did you, how were you able to set the tone for the, for the people who were going to attend the parties? I feel that that initial, how a rave is communicated to people, I find is very important. So whether I don't really consider it advertising because it's not sort of like this corporate scale, but we were making posters. We handmade posters and we taped them all over the cities and we took pictures of the posters and texted them to our friends. Um, a huge part was we got trained in Plurry and Matt, who ran the space, got trained with us. So it became a Plurry trained space, which is a nonprofit organization here in Montreal dedicated to making spaces or making dance floor spaces safer and more accessible. So we actually have Plurry volunteers at every one of our events who wear little patches and do harm reduction and sort of intervention work if they feel that there is an unsafe situation happening. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about so I a little bit more about what that organization is? Plurry is really cool. Marie and I actually ended up going with them to Shaker Mountain in New York last year. Oh wow! So they do they do work fun. they like travel around and do work outside of the city. Yeah, yeah. So they just started doing work at other festivals, and they do work here at a lot of the larger festivals who definitely need the work being done, which is super important. 
but it stands for Peace, Love, Unity, Respect Initiative and specifically focuses on improving safety and inclusivity on dance floors. Okay, so it's P-L-U-R-I. P-L-U-R-I, yes. Okay, okay, great. Mm -hmm, you should definitely check them out. Yeah, for sure. That um, that sounds super important. Um, and they're so they're Montreal based. Yes, they're Montreal based. They do a lot of training sessions, a lot of workshops. So with them, the first sort of training session that we had was like, how do you spot a situation that perhaps might need intervening? What are the step? What are the necessary steps that you need to take? How do we? promote safety and care without propagating this idea of like savior complexes um to further kind of make the voices that might need help feel like they're like somebody needs to be there to fix or solve or, or resolve something so kind of how do we create these boundaries or how do we respect these boundaries um, so i learned a lot with them i recently did a workshop with them too on how to administer Noxalon organization and group or collective here in Montreal. So, okay. So you were, you were able to get them on board like day one, like, Hey, we are throwing this party. We want you involved. Yes. Right off the bat saying on whatever sorts of ways that we were communicating the event, like, Hey, Plurry's going to be there. We're trained in Plurry. Like we'll, we're trying to already, we were trying to make Plurry a part of the foundation of the space before anything even happened in it. And so you were, you were able to do that, like even they were part of even the planning, the philosophies of, you know, the, the party creating. Yeah. Yeah. So they were intertwined with that. What about something like uh, door policy or monitoring people who enter? That's a difficult one. For a while, Vault was still pretty small. So we, we felt that a lot of the people who were coming were just our friends or people who heard about it kind of like one degree of separation. So there weren't a lot of events that we felt there was a lot of people we didn't recognize coming in. And it's, it sucks because as Siberia started getting more and more popular and started kind of becoming an after hours party spot more so than a space that through raves for and by people within the community. Um, that's when those sorts of boundaries needed to be established because we felt that there were just a lot of people showing up from downtown or from clubs that just knew that it was open. Um, so I don't know. We didn't, we've never really had, so the last vault that we threw was the first time that we had a Dom present doing a scene. And that is the first vault where I really had to kind of get gritty with door policy. Um, and there's definitely some people that we had to just be like, hey, this isn't for you. So those are always tricky. It's diff Again, it's a, a difficult boundary to sort of, And I do look up to, again, collectives like Bound, who's in New York and is doing work all over the place. And I remember screenshotting some stuff they posted of like good places to start as to creating a door policy. I don't know, this this events aren't big enough in Montreal yet to feel like a, a broader door policy needs to be instilled. It really is just sort of in the moment. And then we just try to create a general... So from the second that people step in, we usually have like things at the table or at the really big one that we threw that you were there for and that you played in August. Um right at the door we had like little kits or little rave kits that pieces to pathways we had little kits that pieces to pathways brought from toronto and i mean that right off the bat kind of creates an air of like hey we're trying to reduce harm that happens in this space we're caring for one another and that already deters a lot of people who are just kind of like i want to party yeah you're you're letting that be like the first thing that they see when they walk in yeah. So right off the bat from the door, I think it's very important to, because a lot of the times if you are telling, especially the sorts of people that if you just right off the bat are like, hey, you're not allowed in here, you need to go and that'll become violent. A huge part about sort of reducing violent intervention within that situation is to just be like, this is what the event is about. Like we are here, 
with our friends, for friends, or for people who just want to become a part of it. And this is about caring, and this is about exploration, and about safety. If you're looking to just get messed up, or if you're looking to, it's like this isn't the space for you. So then, and then they'll be like, "Oh yeah, you're right. I'm not into this. I'll go to like some other." Great. So you're letting people take that into their own hands. You're just telling them. Yeah. Yeah. And if we have to ask them to leave later, we will. And we do. And it's difficult because I, I really love when people dress up and when it's this, and we have a lot of really lovely people who repeatedly have these sorts of costumes and things that they make for vault, but a huge thing that I often reflect on with queer spaces is the sort of performativity of queerness and how to be accepted or to be promoted within these spaces you need to kind of you need to be visibly queer and you need to be a visibly artistic individual who either has like is like sort of alt, especially here in Montreal. So then it's like, how do you create spaces where people can feel that they can do that? But then how do you also make those spaces make people who don't want to do that or who can't do that feel welcomed and beautiful or not even looked at? So it's difficult because then if you just start judging people only on their appearances, it's like, oh, if you're creating a door policy, it's like, how do you how does that sort of energy that people are willing to put into the space be communicated differently than just the way that you choose to dress? Can you talk a little bit more about the larger nightlife climate in Montreal, just so I can get a sense of like where Vault fits into all this? It's kind of sad because if you had asked me maybe two months ago, I feel like the answer would have been a bit different. The last sort of... Okay. Yeah, the last sort of main space here in Montreal got shut down last week. So, I mean, it's sort of rave gossip. We don't actually know, but it got tagged by the fire marshals a while back and the police have been coming quite frequently throughout the months. And then last week when they came, they came with like a riot group, like a riot cop group. And they're like, we're coming here every single weekend, every single day, we're going to shut it down. Um, So, and then Siberia also got shut down. Yeah, so the space that we helped out with and that Matt ran. Okay, so it's feeling particularly mm-hmm, yeah. low right now. So there really isn't any other spots. And I mean, in the future, it's exciting because we're we're like trying to experiment now with sorts of outdoor spaces or abandoned spaces. Um, but there really isn't a after-hour spot anymore. So I'm not really sure where the the nightlife climate is headed. But in the past... And from my experiences over this past year and a half of living in Montreal, it's been nice. Like there's rapes pretty frequently, a couple, once or twice a week at least. Um, there's a lot of different collectives who are kind of doing or creating the sonics and aesthetics that they want to engage with. Um, I'm sorry to hear it's having a really yeah. It sucks. Moment. It's. I mean, I haven't been living in Montreal long enough yet to really understand the sort of change that people have really been pointing out to me i mean i can feel it i can feel the change i don't know if i have uh, the the authority to to really say what's going on here but stuff is for sure kind of shifting and people in power in montreal because in montreal there's always been this sort of cat and mouse game where cops knew about the raves that were happening but they kind of just let people do their thing and until they needed to be called because something happened, they would just let it go on. Whereas now it seems that they're really cracking down. But I mean, that's the sort of struggle that ravers have been facing since the beginning of people throwing raves. It has, it's going on all over the world all the time. So we kind of, and it, it's actually in a way a good thing or not a good thing, but it's a positive thing in the way that it's making a lot of us come together to sort of troubleshoot and how are we going to move forward? A lot of people who perhaps wouldn't have people from different collectives being like, okay, let's all just sit down. Let's map out the city. Let's create a game plan. And like, let's try to find a new space. Like what's our next step. And, and just like logistically in Montreal, is it, you, you, you mentioned 3am. Is that 
that's like when um like nightlife has to close like bars and legal clubs yeah so i think that's when bars end that's when people can stop selling alcohol and then they everyone usually shuts down around then do you ever consider throwing an event in a legal venue like um proposing to a legal club we have before we threw one spin-off show which was all live sets that was really fun and we threw it at a bar and it was it was nice it was really nice and it was a vault like you were able to to to, to create vault energy yeah and and vault, vault music mm-hmm. and yeah it was really awesome and i think because the live sets too sort of created this or added this energy to the event an all live an all live lineup is something totally different and special yeah but i mean vault is a rave i mean the dream is too is to be throwing so actually coming up in the future doing a vault co-present with a couple of other friends who matt and simon who really ran siberia or matt who ran siberia and simon who helped out a lot um we're looking to throw a rave in i don't know if i should say it on here is that cool i don't know how sneaky i need to be with this yeah well we're we're gonna be throwing so a rave in some abandoned tunnels in our city so it's like a midnight to noon 12 hour we're renting a generator and just like hauling them down these tunnels it's it's gonna be in july july 6 it's actually really cool because maria's gonna be back too from australia that week so they're going to be DJing. And Frankie, who's the person who runs Lip, who I told you about, is also DJing. So it's going to be super fun. We're really excited. But that's the sort of vibe is like we've been looking. I found this other, a friend told me about this place called Wasteland. That's like this abandoned, it's it's a strange one kilometer sort of abandoned land with like broken down cars. And then at the end of it, there's like these giant concrete walls. But it's like super, it's a bit further out of the city. So, or not out of the city, but just out of the sort of kind of main area. Uncovered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just these weird, they're like these standing concrete walls that are parallel to one another. And people have tagged it and graffitied it and created skate ramps and stuff. So we're thinking of just putting the sort of booth like right in the middle of these walls. And then people just like... And and you said that would be um, collaborative, like with different crews from the city? It would be... That's why, too, the vault co-present is tricky right now because I'm not really sure how people want to put it out into the world. Although I'm, like, I'm pretty encouraging to it being, like, co-presenting. So then Matt, who used to run Siberia, and then a friend, Simon, who has also been a big part of helping out with vault um, from the beginning and is a super supportive, lovely raver pal. And then also a friend of ours, Connor, who's from Toronto and has lived all over the place, is just a really lovely DJ and producer and raver and throws a bunch of different events here in Montreal. So it's going to be the four of us. I mean, and that's why, too, it's tricky when you say, like, oh, like, who's organizing it? Because, like, you know, it's there's a, a couple people at the core, but, I mean, really, it's so many people. Yeah, like, already my roommates are, like, yo, like, I've been working out, like, I'm jacked, I'll totally help you carry those speakers down, like, don't worry, and I'm like, true, yeah, like, let's do this. And do you, do you have, um, like, particular visions about collaborations further outside Montreal, like, maybe with s- cities, um, like, more cities in North America, or even outside? Wow, I would love to do something like that, I mean, I'm not really sure... We did the collaboration with On Earth from Toronto for the August one, which was really cool. We learned so much from them. It was a really, really beautiful and special night. And yeah, Nat and Sophia are really cool. And we really did learn a lot from them. I mean, they told, because again, Maria and I are so new to all of this still. And everything that I'm saying, by no means am I the authority on this. Like, I'm still learning so, so much. And they really did help sort of kind of structure it was the first time we used like google sheets and we were creating like a budget for ourselves and we just felt super legit we're just like okay
you touched on it a little bit, but maybe you can just speak more about the artistic vision and like the interactive like website. I think there were web links to go to the party. That's a super, super important part of Vault. To me, with Vault, I definitely want to create a world and an environment that people step into. So it's not just a rave. It's not just a party you're going to. As amazing as people who just, or as raves are, just as in their simplicity, like here are people playing music for you. In the sorts of spaces or events that I want to be making, I want it to be multidimensional and multidisciplinary. So a friend of ours, Heather, who's a super talented programmer and artist based in San Francisco, was visiting in the summertime and they were just kind of learning code. And we were just hanging out a lot and they did some visuals under remote access. And I was like, what if we code a website for Vault? Or a lot of questions in a sort of underground raving is like, how can we get this message out to people? How do we let people know that this is happening? I was always hesitant towards Facebook events because it's so easy to get shut down. So then, yeah, we were like, okay, let's let's create a website. So then Maria, Heather, and I sat down and coded this website. Very long-running aesthetics, the sort of industrial. And then I'm always just exploring the deep crevices of the internet and found this very strange... Uh, later on, I suppose it was this like 3D rendered short animation that someone made on YouTube of this like guy <laughs> in latex being chained up and sort of taken to this very ominous mansion um, and him just like being in it and like really beautiful, strange music. And it is, it's very much this like sort of whimsical cyber realm intertwining with everything. And then at the time Heather had found this like surveillance. And it's actually cool because the the footage for the event in August online was live streaming from surveillance cameras in Montreal. So Heather had found a website where if people Yeah, yeah, like some straight <laughs> it's <was> super cool. <laughs> because if people, yeah, there's like this sort of this surveillance company where if you don't initially default or shut off this ability on the camera when you first set it up, they're always recording what you're seeing. And then there's a website where you can just get that footage. And that's the thing that I just want to build moving forward is the more events that we throw, just sort of intertwining or having more of those elements. So we painted a friend completely red from like top to bottom. And we had them standing on a platform with these different levels of transparency fabrics. And then the person who was doing visuals that night, who was Shifei's, had 3D rendered a version of this person. They're very statue-like. They're kind of just holding poses. They're this like red statue. They had 3D rendered a, a statue in the visuals and projecting the visuals on them and these screens. And then the two bodies are sort of interacting with each other in real time, both in the physical space and in the digital space. So... Yeah, just doing these sorts of performative things whenever we text, because we like doing, and that's another thing too, is Maria and I would text every single person individually. So we would just copy and paste over and over and over again. To all of the, we could never find an app that worked properly of like mass sending out text messages. Send it out individually, and it would always be kind of jokes. Like we would create this sort of removed voice of being like we call on you for this experiment or for this and we have all of the text written out which are really cute and then or we would create like sort of trashy joke chain mail texts using a bunch of emojis and like sending out the links of the website and stuff
something that maybe you would want to talk about or share that I wouldn't know to ask you, like something that's particular to Vault or particular to your crew that like from, from the outside, I wouldn't even know exists, but is important to you. Vault is about experimentation and education. 
prioritizing the support networks that we build on the dance floor and how those connections build friendships and community outside of the rave context. We try to look at what a rave means and what it can be. We are working towards building spaces where people feel invited and inspired to try new things, but also where they feel safe and comfortable enough to come as they are. Vault really is a multidisciplinary rave, combining elements of sound and visuals with performance art. Vault as a party series is only one facet of this broader artist collective we're trying to build. Deeply intertwined with my journey as a queer body moving to Montreal, Vault is about sharing resources and skills within an environment you feel safe and nurtured enough to redefine your ideas of self, of community, and of varying artistic practices. Vault was synthesized from a couple of friends wanting to learn how to DJ and run a new after-hour spot here in Montreal. But moving forward, we want to share the things that we've learned and continue to build networks of people who reconstruct and challenge our ideas around community and event organization. In your literature or like in your descriptions of your, yourself and your, your vision, do you use the word fetish at all? Or do you like, do you shy away from that language and just sort of like let things happen? Or do you encourage that by like using that particular word? I'd say that the the last vault that we threw was probably the first time we started introducing that sort of vocabulary. That was always something I wanted because a huge part of, again, my journey being in Montreal or as a queer person and sort of interacting with those worlds was like fetish worlds and BDSM um, and kink and all of that stuff. So it's it's moving forward. I'm not sure because, again, it's a difficult boundary to sort of balance in between creating these spaces in ways that we can experiment. Or I love the performativity of it. I love when there are performers and there's people doing scenes and doing their thing and that people can come into these spaces and interact with these. And it was really beautiful, too, because at the last vault that we threw, that was the first some of the first time people ever saw dom and sub scene so they'd come up to you after and like that was super cool and really educational and i would like to try something like that i didn't even know stuff was like going on like this in montreal so so you're like totally ready to do more and like share yeah more i would really love to it's just it's tricky because it's such a well, it's sensitive it it's super sensitive and it's also really the aesthetics and the sentiments of it are really powerful and I don't want that to become the only thing that Vault is trying to do.